Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Queer Quadrant, a podcast where we, two bisexual filmmakers, examine cinema in all its cultural contexts and explore why your favorite four-quadrant blockbuster is maybe not as straight as you think it is. Four quadrants are good, but they can be better. With a fifth, would you say a queer quadrant? Pretty good, Gustafson. Yeah? Yeah. No? I have another one. So, you know, Patty Jenkins, she made the original Wonder Woman. You know, it's raking in all the success and Warner Brother execs. They call her and they go, Patty, look, we need you to like come in. Like we want to talk about Wonder Woman, blah, blah, blah. Patty Jenkins, she goes in. She goes, Wonder Woman was good, but it can be better. And then 84 pops up. Oh, got she, you. Like, she like does it's the like thing. a little PowerPoint yes. presentation. Yes. She hits her little yes. little clicker. And like Blue Monday starts playing. Yeah. Yeah, is that, that's how she pitched it. Except it wasn't better. Well, that's the whole thing. The wish when you wish with the stone, it gives you some, you know, the it's, trailer was better. It's just a monkey's paw. Yeah, the trailer was better. We we talked about that trailer and how little... good it was for so many weeks. No, that's her song. Yeah. I'm nope. not going to sing Blue Monday. I'm not. We already did that all over the Atomic I, Blonde episode. And that fine. was plenty. That was maybe too much, even. So we're taking a trip. We're taking a trip. To the 1980s. To 1984, Hello. to be specific. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Um, Who are you? I'm Brooke Solomon. I'm Jordan Gustafson. You're, I feel like you're sad. I feel like you're coming in right now. I feel like you got some thoughts on your mind that we need to break down. I have many thoughts. Okay, so here's the thing that I'll just say right off the bat is that I don't think that I hate this movie as much as other people hate this movie. Like, I I don't hate it with a seemingly, like, all-consuming passion. Are you saying that people people on the internet are expressing their (laughs) anger in a visceral way? Are you saying that people on the internet overreact to things? I mean... Is that a hot take to say? Ooh, I don't know. I might be a little too might hot. Be a little steamy. I mean, we we were blowing up the mics last week with <laughs> our our, our tangents on uh, the fact that people on the internet can't watch things. Yes, yes. in a normal way. And I feel like, oddly, this movie uh, will have to dig into that as well. Yeah, we do. Two we back do. to backers, baby. Yeah. So what are we talking about this week? We're talking about Wonder Woman 1984. I'm sorry. I think it's WW84. I actually like that better. Wait, what is it? Didn't you say that they needed to make yes, it, it WW84? Yes, yes. If it was Wonder Woman 2, it would be WW2. <laughs> and honestly, it might have been better. Maybe. I mean, that's yeah. kind of fun. They said it at World War Two, and it's also Wonder Woman 2. Do you know how many people thought that the first Wonder Woman was already during World War Two, though? Like, really? I, I heard Do people, people just not understand? that I know and people online be like, wait, it wasn't World War Two? Like, it no. was the Great War. <laughs> they were in a trench. What? Do you think people think 1917 was World War Two, even though in the title it's like tells you the year when it was? Yeah. No, but like you joke, but probably. Oh my god. Ugh. So we're talking about Wonder Woman '84. I'm Jordan. That's Brooke. I don't even know if we introduced ourselves. We did. This is the Wonder Woman quadrant. Yes, it is. And I mean, this movie, honestly, there's quite. As the internet has shown us, there's quite a lot to talk about, but there's also a good amount of queer content to talk about. And the good news is we already did all of our Wonder Woman comic character setup last episode on Wonder Woman. So we're like, we can dive right in. Marston and his Wonder Women. Yes. Women! Last week, if you want to find out about Wonder Woman and her origins, I would recommend listening to that. However, we do have some 
comic book discussions to talk about. Yes, we got some new characters coming in. We got some we new do. plot lines, some new comic staples like the Invisible Jet. Yes. Showing up. A cheetah. And a cheetah, yes. And a lord. Yes. And Maxwell. And a wishing stone. A st- Here's the thing. What if you could make a wish to a stone? I don't hate that. See, that's like I that's don't either. thing that doesn't... Oh, wait. I didn't say what I thought. Yeah. What do you think? I don't think it's... Okay. I think that going into this film... I, let's just get into it. Can we just yeah, get into it? Do you have anything else to go? No. Let's just talk about it. Okay. So I think the issue primarily that I had with this movie, and I think that the movie suffered from from the get-go, is that this movie was originally supposed to come out on uh, uh, November 1st, 2019, then December 13th, 2019, then June 5th, 2020, then October 2020, and then December 25th, 2020. This movie was shifted so many times, and it came out with such a banging trailer, and we've talked about the trailer, and that it left such an impression on viewers, and people built it up in their mind of this is sort of like the movie, and Wonder Woman left such a good taste in so many audiences' mouths it was probably the best DC movie released at that time. So people were riding into this movie with that. And then given, I mean, just going to say it, Brooke, there's a pandemic going on. There Uh, is. Yeah. People are looking for (laughs) things to watch and we haven't had a lot of big movies. I would say maybe it was a year devoid of a, a four quadrant film. This was the first blockbuster that like we really got to see that felt like a real blockbuster. Even I would say the only thing comparable to this that came out in 2020, you know, in the pandemic was Mulan. And that really felt like something where they were like, well, we'll just dump it on the streaming service. And it's fine. They can check out our episode on it. Yeah. I mean, we have some thoughts. We have thoughts. But like this, this movie, the release of this movie was pitched as like, everyone deserves to see this yes. movie. Like you don't deserve to wait to see it. Like that was Patty Jenkins whole pitch was that yeah. people had been waiting for so long and she wanted to bring some sort of happiness at the end of the year for people, which honestly I respect and I get it. And I think that, I mean, it's despicable what Warner brothers is doing. I really do not like oh, what Warner brothers is doing and releasing horrible. how they're doing their films for this year. Um, it would make more sense if it was just for Wonder Woman that it was sort of this release style, but the fact that they did for everything is a problem. But then to do it like this and then for the film to get so kind of torn apart isn't a good first step. Yeah, I mean, we, I think... I'm glad that we are doing this episode about a month after the movie actually premiered Mm. because like all the takes have been taken. Like everyone has said their piece on this movie. So now we can kind of sort through what everyone has said and like figure out like, cause people have already figured out what went wrong. So now we can not worry about that. (laughs) Did something go wrong? I don't, I mean, when you wish upon a stone, I (laughs) makes the world explode. I think that this, like, it's kind of like the perfect storm of factors. It was the fact that nobody had seen um, a big blockbuster in over a year, particularly a superhero movie. It was the idea that, like, like you said, the first Wonder Woman was so well received, and that this had like just had so much hype going in, and even the critical reviews were amazing going well, in. Do you the, remember that? Yes. The issue is, is that studios do this, and you keep seeing it. You see it with the Avengers movie. You see it with every sort of big blockbuster movies. They let certain critics see it first. There's always that first wave of hot press everyone gets hyped the movie comes out the rest of the reviews come out and then people are like what the hell was that what did i just watch yeah and it's really annoying because they're smart 
and studios <laughs> know what to do and how to make money. Yeah. And, and it's, I, you know, you can't fault them for that. No. I get it. And I feel like, as you were saying, though, with the release, it's like people were waiting so long for something, but it's sort of what we were talking about with watch habits and whether it's a Netflix movie or not too, is sort of watching something at home. You're going to get a different experience than in the theater. And specifically for a movie of this size and scale, it's going to be different. Like it's different if I'm watching the nest at home versus if I'm watching wonder woman 84. Yeah. Same. It's going to be same thing with Godzilla. I feel like people, the trailer, it just came out. People are very hyped about it. They're picking their Godzilla and Kong sides. And then I think that movie looks so bad. I'm sorry. It's a valid take, (laughs) but then it's going to come out. And I bet even if it's, if it's great, it'll get widely acclaimed. And if it's not, it's going to be wicked ridiculed. There's no sort of in between area for people watching at home because you can pause, you can get up, you can come Mm -hmm. back to it. You can realize, Oh, I'm not a room with 40 other people. This isn't as exciting. And it really does allow every single person to watch it simultaneously. Like Mm -hmm. by the time I sat down to watch Wonder Woman 1984 at like 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because I was home on Christmas Day. I was like, I know everything about this movie and I know how everyone feels. And I wasn't even trying to find out. It's not like I was on Twitter all day. I know. Well, it's what's it's what's frustrating too. I feel like about with these new, like with Disney Plus shows and everything that's happening as well, is like I had the finale for The Mandalorian spoiled for me just because I went on Twitter that morning. Yeah. People are up at three a.m. They watch it and they tweet a spoiler, and I'm fine. Like spoiler culture is getting got to a point where it's like very toxic and it's ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. But also like. I think studios have to be wary of releasing stuff like this, that things are going to be viewed and filtered differently to audiences. Yeah. And if they don't realize that specifically with this, if one person starts to get very viscerally mean about a movie, people are just going to be like, Oh yeah, you know what? That does suck. They're just not going to think it through. It's the bandwagoning thing. It's the idea that like you watch it, it goes right into your brain and then you like expel your take back out onto the internet. And then you kind of like wash your hands of the whole affair. And I do think that, like there is nothing that replaces the theatrical experience especially for these kinds of no it's true especially for these kinds of movies where like half of their selling point is the fact that you can see it in a theater right you can see it in imax well i mean so much of this movie was shot in imax and could you tell me what scenes were absolutely not no yeah I mean, like, you can see if you're, like, looking for the bars, if you're, like, looking to see when the screen shifts. I didn't even, I I feel like. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It sort of meshes together on your screen. And mm-hmm. imagine, like, I mean, I'm not, like, I watched, you know, like, imagine you're flying home. I watch so much stuff on my phone flying home. I feel like some people probably watch this on their phone or just on a small computer screen. Of course. It's, it's going to take away from the experience. And it's frustrating because Patty Jenkins deserved this. Yes. And ultimately, I mean, no matter what, when we'll dig into the story mechanics itself, this is a Patty Jenkins movie. And I think it is the movie that she wanted to tell. I agree. Which is, I have to respect it. And at I, the end of the day. The thing is that I don't really find it troubling. And I feel like that is where we the, what do differ. You mean, the movie, what do you mean troubling? I don't find the, the because I, I agree with you. I think mm. that this is like a very Patty Jenkins movie. This is the movie that you want to yeah, like. Sure. I, I can see her being like, this is the movie that I want to yeah, put yeah, out. Yeah. I think that's great. I don't, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh my God, if this is like what Patty Jenkins is like unrestrained by a studio, then what are we in for? And it's oh, like, yeah. no, I, I'm cool with that. Oh no, same. I would really, I, I can't wait want. to see what she does next. That's the thing is this made me more interested in the third one yes. than I think anything else could be. Because at least it's going to be weird. How weird is it going to be? 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, have you ever seen a movie that combined like an 80s Schwarzenegger picture with like cats? Yeah. You and... know? I mean, like Kristen Wiig turns into the rum tub tugger. Okay. Am I wrong or am I wrong? No, I mean, you're Because I'm right. <laughs> um, do you think there's cats like... Cats could be good. Do you... But wait, no. Cats is good, but it could be better. Yeah, That you. is the thank format. You. Do you think that there's a butthole cut of Wonder Woman 1984? I mean, let me tell you, with some gay content here, I could see a certain type of butthole cut going around okay, on the internet. Okay, thanks. Anyways, sorry, thanks, sorry, Jordan. sorry. To bring things back, though, as you were saying, like with the Patty Jenkins thing, like... In her interviews, this was the movie she wanted to make. And she's ex- been explicit. Like, this is... I mean, as we talked about in the last episode, she was influenced by Donner. And this is reeking of Richard Donner earnestness. Yes. This movie is just wears its heart on its sleeve. It talks about, you know, Patty Jenkins wanted to tell a story about greed, have a Trump analog. She, she has did a story it. about greed. She put it in the most greedy era of American politics. And, you know, with maybe not so subtle comments on oil the oil economist weekly or whatever it is uh she she at least is like showing this is the story i wanted to tell so i have to respect it yes my i think so many other ways it could have gone yeah i'm just gonna i'm not gonna save my big take until the end or anything like that i'm just gonna say it now because then i want to expand on it like as we get into talking about the plot because we have to talk about the plot of this movie because it's fucking weird yes um so basically my big take is that i totally understand how this movie works on paper i feel like this movie works almost perfectly on paper i can totally see and i don't necessarily mean like oh when you look at the script versus when you read it but i mean i can see patty jenkins pitching this pitching the movie to Warner yeah, 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 brothers yeah. and everyone being like i, I love see it. it yes i totally understand I mean, it you can see it. she goes all right we're going to the 80s 80s greed greed is good gordon gecko said this and you know who we're gonna have playing a gordon gecko analog pedro pascal we have two g's gg pp there we go pitch how do you feel Great. everyone's on board you I'm... know she's just like motoring through <laughs> she's blue monday pumping she's pumping her fists she's got her little powerpoint clicker. Oh, yeah. no but i mean there's so many elements of like a sequel that mm. are so attractive on paper like you're bringing wonder woman into the modern age but you're still grounding her in a period piece exactly like the 80s i have uh, there's so many things but just even on that point the time jump is such a good way to uh, what other characters can you jump forward 80 75 years to tell a story i mean you know other than that you know what i mean like that's a sick way to avoid sequelitis keep going totally I'm just like each point is like you're so right yes you have like a whole new brand of feminism this is like 80s feminism working girl feminism you know wonder woman as an icon for the working woman like she was for so many people in the 80s and stuff like that like you totally have a new take on what it means to be a feminist icon uh, which the movie whiffs obviously um but like i i like all the role reversal stuff i think works perfectly on paper oh diana was the fish out of water last time this time it's Chris Pine and she gets to show him the world and isn't that so exciting and we still get to bring him back and like have no consequences for our actions but at the same time we can like rip them apart again just like we did in the first movie and it'll be nice and emotional and it will be earnest and it will end with a conversation and it'll all be centered around this big analog for Trump and greed and capitalism and about how love is what makes the world go around I totally if I was a WB exec I'd be like here is 200 million dollars um have fun and also, like, I get it. Camp, like this movie has camp to it. Like as you were saying yes. with the earnestness, like Kristen Wiig and Pedro Pascal are giving such arch campy performances, and I think 
if we're looking at the cast across the board, they're the only ones who know what the movie is. Pedro I think, Pascal more than anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Kristen Wiig and I would say in the first third, and then Pedro basically is honed in on the zone the entire thing. Oh, he's great. Um, I know. I I think you're. I mean, you're hitting it on the point. I mean, I feel like. Where we differ is that I think you're a little more down the middle on it than me. You dislike it a little I more. Don't, it's like, it's not even a thing. It's not like I dislike the movie. It's more in the sense that I'm just confounded by it. Like I am very rarely so attracted to a piece of media that is going forward in such a singular way. Like I can't say that it's like the worst movie ever or the greatest movie ever, but it's a movie and it has a vision and I have to respect it for what it is. And if we were talking about the thing last week where movies can be okay and that's okay, ultimately this is a thing where I'm just like, this is a movie. I don't understand it. I'm maybe not on the wavelength that this movie wants me to work on, but it's it has fun elements to it. It has bad elements to it. It's just, it's such an interesting piece of filmmaking. Like it's genuinely yes. so entrancing. Like it's a little too confusing to be average. It's right. it's it's so arresting in the way that it's confusing that yes. you're like, "No, no, no, I got to figure this thing out." Right? But we're not going to figure no, it out. No, that's the thing. But it's like <laughs> it's it's ultimately a comic book as well. Like for me, this is maybe one of the closest representations of a comic book on screen, whether that be like with the costumes that you have, but it's like up front it's telling a story about like a fucking crazy megalomaniac egotistical businessman who fights like a a superhero and she saves the day like with her words speaking to the audience and it's poppy and it's full of color and it's super light in tone and you don't really have to think too much and there's a wishing stone that grants people their wishes and the world almost ends yeah it is really very very comic-y but i think and it's kind of unfortunate that you i feel like it is very difficult to make a movie that is just very stylistically and tonally 80s and has all those comic book sensibilities it's just, it doesn't hit the way that it should, but I think that it maybe would have hit the way that it was supposed to in 1984. I mean, I think watching 80s movies is very confusing and yes. very fascinating because half the time you're like, wait, they've just like made this and then put it out and a bunch of people watched it and liked it. Like this, I feel like I'm not even watching a movie yeah. um, in kind of a fun and good way because cinema is always evolving. But that's how I feel about this movie where it's like, it just is not a movie for the 2020 audience. It's a different type of escapist fantasy that I think that our modern eye isn't quite used to, or not used to, but like yeah. isn't built for. And it feels almost like, as we'll get into it with the story, but this is like sort of set in the Stranger Things mall. And it f- sort of feels like where Stranger Things, when Stranger Things veers off course, where it's sort of placating you with so many references and things and like trying to hit you with a certain type of humor and storyline. But that is so, so familiar that it becomes, it like beats you to the point of like not necessarily engaging with it as much. It's very hard for a movie to distract an audience enough to make them forget that they don't like what it's doing. I mean, that was my, I don't really like the third season of Stranger Things very much. And I think it's because they lean far too hard on all of the like, fluff and the glamour and you're like okay but i don't care about this story what did you like about stranger things season three season i'm just you're like what, which, which characters like did you 
dig the most? I mean, Robin Buckley, my lesbian okay, queen. So I feel like <laughs> Obviously. I feel like we're in the same boat. Like Robin, Steve, and Dustin's story was what I cared about the most. Story, right. And then everyone else, I was just like, okay. I don't, I'm so sick of teenagers being in romantic fights with each other. I yes. was like, these kids are, I don't want to see these kids have romantic problems. I really right. don't they're, like it. You're 12. <laughs> you're 12. Um, Even though at that point they're like 15. Right. Um, I also don't really like, the like Russian subplot of it all. Mm. I don't know. It's See, just not like, for me. I thought that was funny because it's like, d- okay, like sure. It's Russian. It's like, okay. sure. Of course it is. It's, it's the like 80s. campy. Yeah. Yes. Where it's like, that's it's like this. It's like, this has a view of the middle East that is like from the eighties. Okay. But like, why would you include that yes. in a movie from I 2020? Mean, that's what saying, I like, mean. I mean, why would you include that with Gal Gadot as we spoke on before? You know what I mean? Like yeah. we don't need to dig into it, but like, this is such an antiquated look at, middle eastern politics but that's exact that's exactly the kind of thing that I, that we were just saying right. is like you can't just transplant an 80s movie to the 2020s i think you have to look at for look at it through a more critical lens and right. this movie has no critical lens except for the fact that greed is bad which is not a criticism right <laughs> like it's, it's a just a fact yes greed um, not good honestly i think that my favorite sort of cool fun modern take is that like pedro pascal is you know a latino man pretending to be white or like trying to make himself like look white basically Mm. and act like he has the american dream and has it all like that i thought was cool and interesting and the movie doesn't it mostly it doesn't have like a plot centered around that which is fine like there's enough visuals and like there's a little flashback and stuff like that and I dig it but that's cool you know that is like something that's an update from the 80s but I don't feel like anything else in this movie is an update I think even on that I like as you were saying Pedro Pascal is by far my favorite part of this movie and I mean just we'll get into it because there are certain lines I wrote down where I'm just like his delivery of this line even him just giving a thumbs up is so funny he's so good like he just Uh, you know what he is really good he's a really nice piece of chocolate cake (laughs) like he's got like three layers to him nice frosting on the front in between the layers oof I hope He's that a, a nice dessert. I hope that all of his like big blockbuster roles lend him something like really nice and Oscar-y because I feel like yeah. he's been so consistently like knocking it out of the park and doing like humanistic acting when he doesn't have to in these little kinds of he's things. He's the only good part of the new Kingsman movie, the last Kingsman movie. Um, Jordan, Channing Tatum no, no, is no. in that movie. Channing Tatum is in that movie. And then they kill him or they put him in a coma for the whole movie. Yeah. But why? He is in it. I know he's in it, but why? I've been meaning to rewatch that. No, you don't. No, I got it. No, you don't. <laughs> but no, I completely, I mean, like, think about it. Like within the past year, like he had a year. He's the Mandalorian. He's in this. He's just returning. He's in the Shark Boy versus Lava Girl too. Whatever he. We can be heroes. And before whatever this. Whatever genre, he's good. Like he fucking slayed it on Narcos. He's, he right. has, he's like the fifth lead in Triple Frontier and he absolutely kills it. Like, well, like 15th, fifth frontier. <laughs> fifth frontier. Wait. Quint, what would it be? Um, quintuple frontier. I love that. Let's do that. Okay, that's that sounds terrible. That's the sequel. Thank God I didn't name it that. Um, but yeah, no, he's great. Uh, what was our point about him though? I don't even. I think remember. it was just Pedro Pascal. Oh, um, the sort of him, his his uh character, character in the yeah. movie. 
I guess from the front end with the time jumping, if we're just going to talk about the time as well, is that by going to the 80s, you establish that this Wonder Woman has been away from home for such a long period of time as well. And you have that first opening sequence where we have this beautiful kind of gymnastics, weird, goofy Olympics going on. And you have young Wonder Woman again, and it rocks. And I'm invested and I'm fully on board. But then throughout the entire movie, she doesn't really once mention about how she misses home. It sucks. There needs to be more Themyscira. I said this last right. week too. Like Themyscira is the best part of these movies. Hands it is, down. It is everything that you want from like feminism in superhero of Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I love... I love everything about Themyscira. I'm an ancient Greek nerd. You it's are? like kind of hitting that zone for me as I know it's hitting that zone for you too. Amen, sister. And I just want to see the warrior women do some fun shit. Right. Even if it's just, even if they're not fighting, even if they're flipping through hoops and like doing it like an obstacle course, it was fun. Well, that's why I like the opening. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. It's Themyscira Ninja Warrior. And right. you know what? It's awesome. What? There was someone from Ninja Warrior on it. Yeah. My sister, like that was what she pointed out. But to that point so she doesn't miss home she never says it but then for 70 years she yearns for one man which is where i think the film then ultimately starts to fall apart is you her wants and desires and wishes become sort of out of balance because who she was in the first film you ultimately lose sight of that and And like yes sorry yeah no they made they it's it's it sucks for them and you know the thing is that justice league did this first so the the issue is yeah i mean like they were put in such a weird position too it just it sucks for steve trevor to be like her touchstone for humanity losing your powers for a man exactly like i think that it is kind Kind of crazy how well it works with I think of this a lot with like Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter and the Marvel Universe because it's basically the same thing Steve Rogers and who I literally am gonna kill you <laughs> just an update my fucking girl Peggy Carter man I have it loaded you I, have Agent Carter loaded I haven't I was gonna pull the trigger last night but I fell asleep I can't remember if it's in the pilot where she literally kisses another woman but it's definitely in like the first five episodes somewhere. It's hot. so I will watch until a smooch Yes. Anyways, you were saying. It's really great. Um, Yeah, like that works. And maybe it's because Peggy is such a badass. And he's like, I've just never quite found another woman who's like her. But he also is just kind of like an all around good dude. And that's sort of what keeps him going. I think the mistake that they made and I, I probably it has a lot to do with gender politics, even though it shouldn't. But it definitely does. Is that they yeah, they have her like morning her boyfriend for centuries, you know, and it's not super empowering. And it's also weird when you literally left behind paradise Island. Um, and I also think, I think that it like kind of screws up any sort of fun romance that she could have. And obviously like is not great for the bisexuality or pansexuality angle because it's just her and her lost love Steve for all of eternity. Right. Um, she, and it bothers me. She becomes very heterosexual in this. Where yes. With, but then you introduce Kristen Wiig who brings a lesbian sort of overall queerness to the movie. Oh, there's mad sapphic energy 100%, in Act 1. Which, I mean, we'll get into, but, I mean, I don't know whenever it was a good time to go into the comics, but Cheetah has had a queer 
backstory before Cheetah was, I, but she basically Let's had her. Let's hear all yeah. about Cheetah. So, I mean. Give me the lowdown. I don't know if you, what do you know? I don't know whatever you know, but. I don't know anything, Jordan. I don't read comics. She is basically like the Wonder Woman villain. So, like, she's sort of Batman's Joker. You know what I mean? Got Lex Luthor's to Superman. Like, it's Cheetah to Wonder Woman. I mean, like, there are other ones, but of all of them, she's the one that really pops the most. Um, and Marston created her as quote, an allegory, uh, of folly of abnormal emotions like jealousy. So she's basically like a creation of a sapphic woman basically for him. So like a woman who becomes jealous of Diana. Uh, and so throughout sort of her run, I don't have to go through each version of her. We're kind of, kind of focus on, focus on Barbara Minerva, but she's essentially always like a rich, English archaeologist who becomes obsessed with Diana is constantly trying to get either the lasso from Wonder Woman or basically trying to find proof of other deities. In DC Rebirth in 2016, she basically became Cheetah because uh, she was tricked and transformed uh, via a ritual and then like became it. And she resents Diana for introducing her to sort of this world of deities uh, and for dooming okay. her to be like create like to for being a monster for like all of eternity and she's like ultimately like a very tragic character and there's obviously some problematic elements to her is that she is like you know taking like her wealth to exploit like native people uh yeah, I mean, and she's is an demanding ruthless <laughs> right exactly and she's constantly searching for immortality and to uh, be free from this world but ultimately there's this queer reading of her is that this sort of desire to be free is one she has a disability sometimes where she's trying to like be the best version of herself so she's not disabled but also when she's not there's the read that she wants to find something to allow her to be herself so a yearning to be something you know freer and more open yeah uh, which her like stiffy british archaeological world has not allowed her to be Ooh, that's really, that's really cool. I like that. And then she has this whole like underpinning with Diana where they are friends in a lot of these things before the accident happens. Or, you know what I mean? Where Cheetah, she cuts, like she's often like so jealous of her, which we sort of see a little bit of this, but it digs more into their relationship. And even as that last thing where like she's doomed to eternity by Diana, like if you had that in this movie where the two of them start in a relationship and Diana like introduces her to this fantastic, fantastical world but then she's doomed to be like cursed as like this cheetah monster that's interesting and there's like layers to that. and if diana would have guilt on her hands where she wouldn't have been able to sort of save somebody for the first time yeah you know what I mean? like carrying on from what happened in the last movie i just think there's more interesting reads on her and there's this movie sort of like cuts it off there's definitely more that they could have done which is weird when you think about the fact that this movie does spend a lot of time with barbara but it doesn't really advance that much with every scene that we spend with her right and um she has like a relationship with etta candy at one point in the comics like yeah that's cool i also think it's really interesting to think about this idea of othering and like monstrosities and how like the other side of sapphic affection is female jealousy right like that is really interesting um that's like very up our alley (laughs) that's very cool i i like how that I like that sort of double-edged sword take on Cheetah. And I mean, 
I think Kristen Wiig is fabulous in this movie. She's great, yeah. I especially love her when she is, you know, ditzy or whatever, klutzy, I guess. But right. I just, I love how much she is so in awe of Diana. It's very much like gay 100%. panic. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's great. I mean, if we're just going to talk about it, it's like, in the beginning, Barbara is like miserable, sad, lonely. She wants to be somebody that she's not. And she sees Diana and she's like, yes, I want to be like that. I want to be with you. I want to be you. Sexy and strong and special girl you're gay right i mean (laughs) a little bit obsessed with her from the get-go and you can just see that like clearly that they have an interest and diana all like she immediately finds an interest in her because she is also lonely like she has not really had a friend for 70 years or whatever it is so she finds someone and diana goes like she like no one has made me laugh this much in so long you know i mean like they ask each other out there's just this sort of they're finding a comfort in each other and they're able to sort of be themselves after not having to have that for so long. Yeah. I think we need to focus on like their relationship in act one because after that it totally disappears, but there's like yeah. a lot of stuff in act one, like at the beginning act when one works like a freaking yeah, racehorse when they're to works like a freaking beautiful racehorse. You, Jordan. you know what? It's spirit stallion of the Cimarron. That's what it is. Oh my God. Like I just, I like, them you, you want to do lunch and let's go get some early dinner and all that sort of like right. flustered flirting business i mean literally when they're having dinner uh with the washington monument in the background i have a question for you yes where was this movie shot you think i mean there would simply be no way of knowing i i, I really don't know it's if, if someone just put a landmark from a major u.s metropolitan you know destination i would be able to find out <laughs> yeah i mean like i don't think it's a bad thing to rag on movies individually but i feel like this movie is getting like an awful Dunk lot of flag, probably because no one's seen a blockbuster right. in a year and forgets that they all do dumb shit right, like I mean, put <laughs> public landmarks in right. every hey, single did one did you of know that 90 percent of movies are shot in new york yeah. or la <laughs> i'm like <laughs> duh i mean this is me the fucking loser in the departed who loses his shit when i see one boston landmark i'm yeah. like oh it's fucking wicked cool bro so every time it. the zakin bridge comes on screen right. i just I mean, like you know. oh yeah well as you were saying for dc we'll get back but my godparents they live in dc uh or godfather he lives in dc with his wife and they were so fucking jazzed when this movie started shooting because they got to be extras in it and this movie like got so many people from like the dc, the DC like area. acting like theater world did you to see them in the film can you no, spot them not. you can't no. spot them they're in the mall but... oh got you okay fine but the yeah. mall fun i we'll get to the mall we'll i want to mall. finish this Sorry, this yes. cheetah diana business i mean when they're literally we can't at, cheetah on the cheetah yes when they literally have like that dinner i mean barbara has that whole speech where she's like you're just out you're out all the time you're just out doing things yes um out sexually um, hmm, interesting something to think about i want to talk to you about something what tell me i mean i just i even love the sort of damsel in distress scene when Diana rescues Barbara on her way home yeah. and Barbara literally like faints into her arms bridal style. When she style. looks it up at her, yeah. It's, it's so cute. What's wild about that too is that it has the weirdest tonal shift with the man. Like, because yeah. it's like comes off very aggro and very weird immediately. But then you get the Diana moment, which is nice. So yeah. it's giving you sort of these, it's this like a tonal whiplash I that it's giving you. I liked so much how the first Wonder Woman dealt with kind of like the inevitable yes. feminism means women defeating men yes. type thing. Um, and it 
it really just is so grating in this movie. It's just on the nose. It's too on the nose. And this is, I said this last week, this is why it was brilliant to set the first movie in the 1910s because you can have casual sexism and it feels you know, normal right. and legitimate. Well, it's not like casual sexism's gone, but it's just the way that they yes. shot it. This is not casual sexism. Right. This is like so over the top, oh, like it is? on the nose, like men literally like attacking you. It's when a guy going like a wooga. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but no, like, I know, I know, I agree. I know, I agree. If completely you were going to do you. an updated portrait of feminism, this is like the totally wrong way to go about it. Yes, it's um, it's sort of the by the books of like what are bad men? What do bad men? do they can't call women and try to assault them in right. dark alleys like okay, literally great. dark alleys yes yeah and but it's just the thing too but it's like barbara is such a sweet character in the beginning like you love her so much like sh- how she treats like the homeless guy how she treats like the people at work like she's a good fun character and her dynamic with diana is so good you want to see that explored more and the fact that it sort of drops out in the second half sucks you even have her making that little roar to diana where she goes like Rawr. yeah i mean like, the first that's time hot that's cute when she when barbara drops all of her papers and she looks up at diana diana literally has cheetah print heels on it and she's yeah. like wow she's like, I, like I like those so fun i would love to be an apex predator in those <laughs> um yeah but i mean it sort of ties back into the too overt like women hating feminism type thing is that to have barbara's turn be her like beating up her would-be assaulter the yes. way that diana did it's like why but would that make us see such her? an aggressive way and like, it's why so would that, long but why would that make us see her as a villain i feel like the right. movie wants to pitch it as like barbara's gone bad and it's right. like you well the, the, the this music man changes. literally tried to attack her right. like you want that multiple like, times it's like, she's not wrong like good for her but <laughs> good, also good for good her, her. cinematic universe it continues yes but as you were saying like yeah it gets ominous and it's dark and we shoot her in an evil way and she looks wicked but you're like she's getting revenge on a fucking despicable person. I'm not saying I'm like sitting there pumping my fist, but they should have had it be a more like subtle thing that like was bothering her that then she could like overreact against instead of this where it's like, I mean, she fucking beat the shit out of that guy. Whatever. I don't think that that makes her a bad person. (laughs) I think you're hitting that point too. It's like her turn feels sort of confounding because it's, yes, they're like, she's gone dark now. And you're like, Okay, Why? Cool. Like, oh, I, okay. Like well, no, 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 no. It, it. I think the rules of this world actually make a lot of sense. Go, please Basically, explain. okay. The stone is just a monkey's paw, or whatever you want to call it. Be careful what you wish for. All of that bullshit. All of those classic tropes. Whatever you like get from the stone your wish you have to give something in return you right. just don't know what it is that you're giving so like diana like until unwittingly, the stone literally tells you what you're losing i mean diana unwittingly yeah gives up her powers barbara unwittingly gives up like her kindness but then it's basically like you can't make more than one wish correct but it feels like cheetah gets multiple I think the idea is that the first, she gets two wishes and the first wish was from the stone and the second is from Max. So it like resets. Okay. You know, I mean, because like the stone was just an object and then it transformed into a sentient being, he can kind of like make the rules, but that's, that's why he's trying to go and take people's health because like for everything that like he gets, the stone is taking his health. Right. Right. Um, His XP. You sort of wish that what the stone was taking had a more 
clear reason or like an it just feels sort of like wishy-washy with what it's taking versus what I disagree. For some people versus other people. I disagree. Do you want to hear my like number one actual hot take from this movie? I don't really have a lot of hot takes. I feel like I just like it a little more than the general public. My hot take is that I think that the wishing stone makes a lot of sense. And I think it's a good thing in this movie. And I like it. It's a very hot take. It's a very hot take. I'm not saying I like sort of how it manifests in say well, I feel the, like the third, third act, act. Yeah. but I, I think that the actual concept of the wishing stone and sort of the rules of how it works and Max's basically plan to become the stone I'm fine with all of that I'm I fine think it with works him becoming well. the stone I think the issue is that the film I want to see more consequences for the stone's actions or at least like the film sort of grapple with what the stone is taking for example when Steve comes in and Steve takes over someone's body. Yes, obviously that is super fucking weird, but I feel like that's a totally different issue. I guess, I guess what I just want to say is that the stone is like a means to an end and I'm fine with it being a means to an end. And I don't feel the need for them to be like, okay, like let's dig into the stone. I actually am glad that they don't because then it would be a movie about the stone and not about the characters. Well, I mean like, yeah, I'm, I'm so fine with, I mean like, look, you're going to tell me that stones like I, like all of the Marvel cinematic universe is built upon five stones, of like course, yeah. magic wishy-washy stones that do whatever you want. Like, I totally agree. I just, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not like fully disagreeing with you. I just, it's just a little more amoebus to me, I guess, than yeah. you, but yeah. I still get it. I just sort of wish that I think ultimately what I'm wanting is that I wish that the film dealt with consequences a little bit more that's fair because i feel like it's just not really digging into them and i think that in a thing in a movie that's all about greed and all about sort of a morality play like you just sort of want to see that a bit more you want to see the morality right and i mean like sort of you that sort of comes to fruition with maxwell lord where he like starts to realize at the end about his son, but throughout the whole thing you don't really see him love his son that much like every time his son sort of pops up he's like oh god like his wife like your ex-wife dropped him off today and he's like fuck like go buy him a pony or something and you know he's never really we don't see him spend time with his son and he's always trying to impress his son but ultimately like he's an egotist and he's really trying to impress himself and like live up to his like bad past he just needs to love his son this is what i mean about the movie working really well on paper like on paper you see how people are grappling with the morality of their actions like how diana refuses to give up steve even though it's clearly like a morally gray area and stuff like that morally bad yeah but it's like that if someone was like this is what the movie is doing i'd be like okay great but then you watch it and it's the issue is in the execution and in the lack of kind of like not even closure but you don't really get that sort of tied up in a nice little bow that you want and you don't even get the sort of like kind of earth-shattering revelation that i feel like you get in wonder woman one with you know the i i can't tell you that people are inherently good i can't say that like but we we just gotta do your best every day like we we don't even get that you know no the end is her sort of imagining in us and telling us like we have to give up our wish and like yeah why you know what i mean like would everyone do that there's not sort of like this big moral manifesto at the end she's just doing quote unquote the right thing right instead of really grappling with morality and patty jenkins got to do the thing that she wanted to do in the first wonder woman with like ending the film with a conversation totally having it be this sort of talky talky instead of fighty fighty but 
it doesn't really have that gravitas that I think you need to have a monologue work as your third act. Totally. And I mean, yeah, it's like these supernatural things as you were saying, like the rock and stuff like that's, I feel like so fine. It's just really, I think in the execution. Cause I mean, like if you look at superhero movies, you can't be out here and telling me that like a one rock is really going to throw you when Superman rewinds the world or the Avengers get snapped and half of earth disappears. I mean, there's, yeah any superhero movie you can look at it even like the most gritty of superhero movies and you're like really but there's this suspension of disbelief and it's just how the film executes on all cylinders to let you get there Mm -hmm. um what we were talking about with internet negativity is like as soon as one thing goes wrong with the movie people will like pile on mercilessly and it's like wow this movie is so goofy if you actually like stepped back and looked at superhero movies it's not at all but it's a good chance for people to air their grievances. So right. here they go. I agree. I would. I think we should get into the plot. I just have one little comic thing on Maxwell Lord that I think is actually interesting. Hell yeah. Where he obviously is a business. He's a very... If we're going to look at uh, Cheetah, who is one of the most important comic book characters to Wonder Woman, uh, Maxwell Lord uh, not, he's key in like establishing some Justice League stuff. But the only thing that I want to really flag from him where he's less interesting, less powerful, and less smart than less Lex Luthor uh, is basically that... At one point, he was a metahuman sometimes, uh, but his powers are psychic persuasion paired with vocal command, which is basically him saying, on the TV, life is good, but it can be better. Like, it's cool how they incorporated his, like, persuasion via, like, telling people into his character in that way, because the rest of him is irrelevant. But I like how they took the, like, one detail and kernel that was important. That's um, fun. Yeah, I like that. You know who was going to... Pl- However, he was going to be in the George Miller Justice League Mortal movie played by guess who? Jay fucking Baruchel. Jay Baruchel? Yes. Wow. Just for people okay. who don't know, George- this was a 2007-8 Justice League movie that was going to be shot by George Miller where Brendan Routh and Christian Bale would not be returning. Yes. It was Army Hammer Batman, Megan Gale Wonder Woman, and Adam Brody as The Flash. Yep. And Common as Green Lantern. Yep. Incredible. <laughs> what a wild cast. Speaking of things that didn't happen, Pedro Pascal in that Wonder Woman pilot. Yeah. Um, well, now we have to talk about the Wonder Woman pilot. For like a second. Yeah. Maybe. So if we even want to. It's- in 2009, we, I mean, we didn't talk about the Wonder Woman TV show True. last week, but it's good that we can talk about it this week because Linda Carter has a cameo in the post credit scene. Woo! What's her name again? I don't even know. Yep. Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, Golden Wing Lady. Oh, is, is she uh, Asteria? Yes, yes. Asteria? Asteria. Okay, great. Asteria. Um, sure. Why not? Why not? I don't know. She was a great warrior. That's cool. That's fun. Um, I mean, even that, though, it's like in Wonder Woman's story, she stands up to the power of all men, right? She can fight all of, like, mankind. I think the idea is that the armor is supposed to be strong enough to withhold, like, multiple attackers. Right. Know? Hold back an army. Right. But then you see, like, one cheetah sort of cheetah fucking tear it apart in two seconds. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's sort of, it's like the, you know, oh, the superhero can defeat everyone except for the one person he actually has to fight at the right. end. But in this, I feel like it actually tracks a little better than usual because she wished to be like Diana. A so god. she has yeah. like do you think she becomes Diana's... a god or like a demigod where do you think her powers lie a godling like a i godling? said last yeah. week <laughs> um yeah uh 
Yeah. Anyway, Wonder <laughs> Woman TV pilot, pilot quick yes. spot. I mean, obviously, like the Linda Carter um, TV series was iconic and like very fun and very campy and very like, much in the Adam West Batman. Yep. Camp. Just yes. a great time. Um, however, if it came out today, people would literally hate it so much. Oh, so, really? Like, you think? Let's just think about that. Um, however, in 2009, was this pilot on the CW? No. Well, I don't think it aired. Yes. But was it what was it meant to I be? I think for? it was supposed to be either the cw or like abc abc or something like that there like was a, f- a network pilot yes, a failed like modern day wonder woman pilot and a very modern bad. day wonder woman pilot is like really not gonna work because she didn't grow up in the world of men right she sells toys yeah she's like Why? a weird ceo girl boss of like themiscira toys or whatever it is yes. yeah her and name is diana themiscira like yep. girl what why would it not be prince industries right. or something like that literally all Pedro Pascal shows up in it and you're like oh he's like one of the big leads of it yeah it's super random I mean Carrie Elwes isn't it so that's fun it's just bananas and I mean I think it goes to show is that uh Wonder Woman had a very hard time getting to the screen so when she finally gets here it's so nice because like you just look at those and you even look at the Linda Carter I mean the animated versions like the Justice League animated show Wonder Woman's great in it and like she's great in animated form Mm -hmm. sort of like what Harley Quinn always was but then Harley translated a lot better to screen yeah I mean I mean even Wonder Woman Wonder Woman she translated great to screen but yeah I don't, I think that you I think that if you want to talk Harley like for two seconds I think they actually made a good decision in Suicide Squad can't believe I just said that sentence um but like kind of like speed running through her backstory because yes. we don't care we want her to be Harley Quinn anyway yes yeah I mean you just can't really do like girl next door Wonder Woman that's kind of the whole point is that she right. is like this larger than goddess, life ethereal goddess, from goddess a different figure world. Yes. yes like she is the aspiration right. for you she's never gonna be like cute girl next door she's never gonna right. be like like Peter Parker or whatever. No. Scrubs with Wonder Woman. You like I hate it. Right. However, um, shout out to Adrienne Paliki who was supposed to play her. She's great and she's in a ton of TV stuff. And guess what she stars on now, Jordan? Does it begin with Carter or it's Peggy? Agents of Shield. Ah, look at her. Yes. Also, she Agents um, of Carter. She Peggy has Shield. a pretty good role in Supernatural. She plays Jared Padalecki's girlfriend who gets killed in the pilot, but then comes. Say, back to hang out she she comes back and like visions and stuff but i mean she is so beautiful she's so pretty wow we stumbled upon an accidental brook crush yeah didn't even think we would get here oh my god she's so gorgeous um she has just like a great face uh (laughs) you know who also has a great face pedro Pedro pascal Pascal. (laughs) and you know who's in this movie Pedro Pedro Pascal. Pascal. We're back on track. Um, Yeah. Okay. So I, let's see before, because I think when we talk about plot, let's talk about the different like threads and then we can quickly speed around some of the action sequences. Right. And that's basically all we got. I mean, yeah, we start out. Should we just talk about the opening? Yeah. I mean, before, before it does, it whips so hard. I was so happy for the first 20 minutes of this movie. It's about a 13 minute opening. (laughs) It's so good. It's awesome. I just wanted to see more. I was like, I know that this is an extended sequence that doesn't actually have any bearing on anything. And I am so delighted right now. Right. But then you, it's like, that's the thing is you just wish that, the kernel that the mother gave her at the end 
had any relevance to what she was saying. You know what I mean? Or, or yeah. going through or that she re-referenced that line. Especially watching it again this time and knowing like what the thematics were supposed to be like. I was listening to that line and I was like, this actually like makes no sense. Right. Like, what like, do you mean the you're truth? You're not ready yet. The and truth like, is bigger than all of us. Like it doesn't. Right. You have to renounce your wish and accept the truth. Like it right. doesn't She really should be like, don't sense. be greedy and don't cheat. Or something. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's a little muddled. I mean, I just, I love all of the construction of that sequence, though. Totally. First of all, women. I have a question. Women. What? Woman is good. Women. <laughs> it is better. better. <laughs> it is. Um, yes, like, I, all of these, like, beautiful, strong, sapphic women are just oh, yeah. back in my life. Flipping, and it's so great. Robin hoops. Wright is alive and well and Thank thriving God. with her girlfriend. Uh, Connie Nielsen is out there looking great in her cool leotard skirt business. This that is I like love. Olympics Ninja Warrior. Themyscira Ninja Warrior. It's great. I Copyright. Love it. Brooke Solomon 2021. 2021. Um, I think you have it. Probably copyright to someone on Twitter from like a month ago uh, yeah, that I didn't 10 years see. Ago. <laughs> I think that from the beginning, even if we're just not even going to talk about the goofy Olympics, but I like, the no, Olympics. I like them too. I just like calling them the goofy Olympics because they're like goofy Olympics. As we were saying how this is a Patty Jenkins movie, just circling back. I think what's interesting is that the biggest music drop that you get from the entire opening is when it says a Patty Jenkins film. Fuck yeah. That's when the fucking music swells. And As it's she like a hundred percent. you're like, okay, I think that's just another point of like, this is a Patty Jenkins movie. She wanted to tell the story and I have to fucking respect it. Yeah. I want her to have like that big dick energy coming in and be like, this is my movie motherfuckers. Like, right. let's go. And even if it's not good, so what? She's going to get another shot to make another movie. And how many male directors make fucking flops? Yes. A hundred times out of a hundred, I would rather see a deeply bad and or weird movie that feels true to the director than a boring movie yes. that we, is kind of bad. We've said this before. Yeah. Where yes. it's like, we want to have something that has a style and has something that it's trying to do versus just existing. If it swings big and it misses, that is much more exciting than looking at something that kind of just like lands with a shrug and a sigh. Right. Um, and like BDE from our films, big dick energy. Let's go. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously there's shit where it's like, okay, but do we really need like David Ayer's brand of tourism in the world? I don't right. know about that, of course, yes. but like Patty Jenkins brand of tourism is super fun. And right. I would like to see more of it. Jordan, we're all stuck inside right now. Why? Uh, I, there's simply no way of knowing. I was just gonna, I, you know, I was noticing that there were some cows outside. It almost looks like everyone is making a wish, but yeah. the wish is backfiring them like a monkey's paw. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but we can't go to malls. We can't go out and purchase things. We can't go be eighties capitalist, greedy people. Well, I mean, some people are, but you can be in one way without da- endangering your fellow man. Oh, um, in the most shocking twist of the century, our good friends over at Super Yaki <gasps> have agreed to sponsor us again, Yay. which is honestly crazy. Um, and we love them so much and we can't believe that they want their ads on Beloved. our show. But here we are. <laughs> Yaki is good. Super Yaki could be, be better. better. <laughs> um, no, Super Yaki is the place for you if you love movies. Okay. They have dedicated every waking moment of their lives to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase their love for movies. And seriously, these people have everything. We're talking sweatshirts. We're talking t-shirts. We're talking 
aprons. I mean, that it seems fit for a king. Pins. That king being me. Socks. I am literally wearing super Yaki socks Can right confirm. Now. We are both wearing Yaki merch. Jordan is wearing a Yaki sweatshirt. Seriously, their stuff is so high quality. It's so soft. It's so comfy. It's almost like waking up with Chris Pine next to you eating Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Yes, and it's super eco-friendly. 100% water-based inks are used in all of their screen prints, and they ship with compostable poly mailers, so it is a really friendly alternative to online shopping. And hey, guess what? If you want to check out their website and get all of this incredible merch, we have a discount code for you. Can you believe that? Can you believe? Codes are good. Discount codes can be better. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's a little sweaty, but I gotta love it. It's a good fit, no so matter what. You, if you go on to superyaki.com, you can use code SUPERQQ for 10% off. That is code SUPERQQ. So, like the name of our podcast, The Queer Quadrant? Yes. Wow. Correct. That's kind of cool. And you don't even have to spell out quadrant. Isn't that great? Oh my God. The future is amazing. <laughs> the future is now. Call me Chris Pine. All oh, this is very overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that is all caps, no spaces, super QQ. Use that code at checkout. So if the spirit moves you, you can find. Spirit, it's done. Simran. If the spirit moves you, you can find super yaki online at superyaki.com that's s-u-p-e-r-y-a-k-i.com hey jordan hey brooke let's watch more movies woo speaking of needle drops really quick where no blue monday where where were the needle drops where were all of the 80s songs that were promised where was any like literally just your entire trailer hinges on one of the most iconic blue monday drops it's one of the greatest trailers of like the past 10 years. And then you just don't include it. Yeah. Also her theme, they do an orchestral version, but they don't really do the guitar. The theme is only good once. And it's during the like Cairo car sequence, which is yes. the worst sequence. Yes. Follow up to that. Just as I the mentioned on tw- yeah. Twitter, uh, this movie rips the score from sunshine. But I mean, in that one moment, it's just where I'm thinking it's just the most slam dunk thing is if you want to have an orchestral version of you do that where she is realizing her powers and then you slowly build up and then you have that momentous fucking drop where she hooks and she rockets off lassoing a fucking plane flying through this guy. You know what I mean? Like use the big emotional moment to use her big emotional song theme. Yeah. It was so weird. Cause that her lassoing the lightning was like the linchpin of the trailer. And it was so sick. Sure. And when it happens in the movie, there's no beat drop. There's no nothing. She yeah, just kind of does, does it. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, this I don't is... know. I just, why, what like was blue Monday really that expensive? I, doubt I mean, it. atomic blonde had it. Yeah. I really, I think that they could have, I just, I wish there was more eighties music and less score because the score that there is not that it's a bad score, but like... It's just not the best. It's not the it best. It feels like a little Hans Zimmer phoning it in a little bit. Yeah, it's very... It's very not phoning it in. It's just, yeah, it just doesn't stick as much as you want Nothing it to. Nothing sticks except for her theme. And even then, I was like, this is the big theme drop. It's right. like not even that good. It's definitely not as good as the first one. Oh, God, With no. that, it's just the drop is and just it, amazing. And is, this brings us to a point of sort of memorable moments. And I think what this film ultimately lacks is a big memorable moment where you look at Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman has no the trench. trench sequence. Exactly. And the trench sequence is, or if you ask five people on the street and you go, what do you remember from Wonder Woman? They go, trench. Trench. Uh, and in this movie, if I said, what do you remember? You would go, a cheetah? 
or I don't know. What would you say? I mean, like what's if you're thinking about a scene that stands out, what's I mean, the opening I stand out is the opening. Right. And I just wanted to say that, like, I think that that action sequence shows like really good Patty Jenkins directing stuff where yes. it's like all of the, the blocking's lo- great. The blocking is amazing. I love all of the little arrow kind of puffs of smoke things, the banners That's so f- unruffling. Right. That's so fun. The sense of place and like space World. and everything is so great. And obviously the you pacing. You go around the whole island, bro. Yes. The pacing is impeccable. I love the different portions that it's broken up into. It's so great. Even the little girl is like some little kid actors can be bad and like obviously she's not oh, giving she's awesome. an A plus performance <laughs> no, but she's she awesome. is a badass motherfucker. She's so cute. I love her. She has a little freckle face. She's, she's great. So cute. Little Diana. Yeah. Um, great. And so but then it's like the rest of the action sequences are so bland. Like I feel I can't I didn't even think about the mall sequence which is probably the second best sequence. I wrote down yeah I mean I wrote down is that that was one of the other things that I liked the most and like saving the woman from falling is kind of fun the shots of people overreacting is kind of fun the guy spinning around when he goes through like a drum or whatever is it's campy and it's like an it's like a early like a 70s 80s like comic book movie it's goofy it's really goofy in camp but like it's so clear of tone that they're going for like very arch cartoon and then you go to like the middle east sequence and then you go to the underwater fight with cheetah so it's just sort of there's no coherent sort of action blocking to any of them. And I wonder how much of it was Patty Jenkins wanting so much more being like, no, I want this entire thing to be like uber camp and over the top with moments of really intense sincerity. And the sincerity is we'll be able with what will hit with people and WB being like, no, I mean like, we got to have him fight underwater or something. Right. Or like we have this amazing tax credit for Cairo. Like <laughs> gotta you gotta go. go there. Have you heard about these pyramids? They're pretty amazing. <laughs> Uh, but it's like as you like, there's that guy who runs away from her, and she like drags him back. You know what I mean? Like the mall is like weird, and like a guy hangs like a girl over the balcony, and it's like very aggressive and a little upsetting. Oh no, I like I like all of no, that I know stuff. I like it too, but it's just it's weird. But it's like you're at least like very much on the wavelength of the movie. And I would have been more on the wavelength if then there were other sequences like that. Right? She doesn't throw her tiara, uh, tiara to knock out any other cameras. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that is just such a clear, oh, right, we are not supposed to know she exists. Whatever, here you go. Which, right. again, I don't care. Like, it's a it's a. But then it's like the whole final act is just so undone. It sucks. By <laughs> it's so... the, the whole world uh... essentially falls apart, and no one was supposed to know who she was, and then she speaks to literally every person in the entire world. It's just... I, I, I don't know. I mean, I... She looks yeah. at us, and she looks at me. And she looks at you. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the Diana now. (laughs) Yeah, I am Wonder Woman. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's interesting. She she never looks at the camera and goes, I am the Wonder Woman. (laughs) I mean, how else are we supposed to know who she is? Right. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, I don't want this to turn into like, a oh, it's so weird that this doesn't do this or that or the other thing. Right. I want to. Because I think the thing is like, there are small nitpicks you can have. Yeah, but there's also like the big ones and I think we should yeah you're as you were saying you're yeah. right you're right I mean I don't think there's anything like I said I'm glad that we were doing this episode a little later because there's no point in being like all right let's unpack what's bad about this movie like it's been done there are about 50 gazillion YouTube videos that you can go watch if that's like what you want to hear for. the great it's probably more eloquent than we are 
anyway um because we're kind of just like trying to figure it out as we go along um the biggest thing that i want to talk about is um sort of like a script doctor fix and it is like one quick thing and i don't think they would have ever actually done this but you know what if we on the QQ were making this movie, get out the buzz saws, baby. This is what we would have done. Because it's like a very, it's a much queerer yes. read, and I also think it fixes the whole like Diana pining after Steve please, issue please, that we were talking this is, about. You're giving me a long tease. Hit it. Okay, so we know that Chris Pine is an incredible man and an incredible actor. And I like, have a question for you. Yeah. Do you think Chris Pine's hot? Yes. Chris Pine's very hot. He's I like a, how he like is a little bit of a silver fox in this one. Oh my god, he is aging like a beautiful wine. <laughs> yeah, uh, he is a lovely four o'clock snack. He's got great arms. That one scene when he's hanging out in that tank top for yes. half a second. Uh huh. That was. Really I mean, him trying on lovely. outfits, fun, super fun. But also in that guy's apartment, so weird. In his clothes. Well, we'll get to that yes. in a second. Um, I I totally understand why they brought. Chris Pine back for this. Why movie. would you not? He's right. a fucking slam dunk. Right. That was, he was so many people's favorite part about Wonder Woman. They right. were like, we haven't seen this kind of on screen chemistry in literally years. It's right. incredible. Why wouldn't you bring him back? Um, it's emotional stakes, but yes. I don't think they should have brought him back. Yes. I was worried when they were going to. She tweeted the pick. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And it's not good. And I think that instead of like, everything with them it should be a story about diana and barbara and yes. all yes. of the yes. emotional weight that they give to chris pine should, should be, be like and i'm not suggesting the wb has to like whip out the pride flags and make it a love story i mean <laughs> i mean i am suggesting i would that. say that that would be great but um like i think it could be a nice story about female friendship and about yes. Diana rediscovering what it's like to be friends with a woman after leaving Themyscira and like realizing that she hasn't had this kind of yeah. deep-seated female companionship in a while. Intimacy, yeah. Yeah, it and does, that, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. No, keep going, yeah. Yeah, her functioning as a friend to Barbara would be different than her, you know, eating at restaurants alone in DC and stuff like that. <laughs> You're alone? You're eating all alone at this restaurant alone? Hey, Hot woman, do you know that you're eating alone? It's so much. The other thing is it's not even that bad, but I remember like watching it and being like, okay, we get it that she's eating alone. I mean, look, I, I eat at restaurants all the time alone. I have a great time, <laughs> yeah. but no one says anything like that to me. I know. Anyway, no. Yes. You, we have the exact same fucking take on this of movie. Of course we do. And that is that, I, I think what's beautiful about what you said as well is that it doesn't need to be about a relationship in that these are two inherently queer characters. Yep based in their source material and what would have been really fucking cool is they could have been queer and they also could have just been friends and just seeing a movie about female friendship and empowerment would have been really nice and then you could have also had the moment where diana lets her down and then has to deal with it on her own she has to comprehend and like cope with the fact that she couldn't always be there for people like she can't always be there for the people on her island yeah and then she had to leave and i don't even think you need to change the timeline you still have barbara make her wish at the same time but then instead of having all these weird scenes of her just kind of alone and then in the middle of act two when she turns into like weird research lady and doesn't have any impact on the plot we could have had her 
do all of the Chris Pine stuff where she's with Diana every step of the way and they're friends and she's kind of like her sidekick. And like you said, Diana is bringing her into the mystical world and right. being like, oh, surprise, I got this crazy armor. The stone like is a magical thing. Crazy shit's going on, Barbara, but you got to help me. And like they would just spend so much time together and you could see them grow apart as Cheetah's powers overtook her. And by the time that they fought at the end, it would be like, I don't want to fight you. Yes. You're my best friend. I've yes. never felt anything like this since yes. the 1910s. Yes. Um, and she has to lose her love again. And yep. then it explains why she's dark all the way until Justice League. Yes. But like her losing Steve again in this movie did not make any sort of impact on me. No. The, the thing is she walks away from Steve and he's behind a corner and the last thing you hear and he's like, I will always love you, Diana, or something like that. And she's like crying and she goes off. But it's just weird and it doesn't leave any emotional resonance or reason for like her walking away is just shot very weirdly. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think their parting is also weird. It Maybe it's because hit as hard. you see him for too long after she kisses him goodbye, but here we are nitpicking. Yes. Um, but yeah, I just but don't... No, you're spot on. I don't think any take. of that works because you know that he's not sticking around and you know right. that she has to say goodbye to him again and you're like, okay, we get it. You liked this guy. Right. He's a great man, but he's not... No boy is that good, let's be real. He's not the end all be all for right. you. Especially because they don't... I don't know when when he comes back. It's kind of anticlimactic. It's, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's yes, weird. It's, well, it it's, just all feels it's, weird. We'll get into the body horror. It's weird. It's uh, weird. And I think you're spot, but it's like she grew up on a, a island all full of women and female friendships. Just circle back to that. Yeah, and it's like I I. It's not that I wanted there to be more overt feminism in this movie, but I was expecting more of a take on 80s feminism, yes. which I feel like is very working girl and you know women can be in the workforce and, right, and it's shoulder pads right, stuff and it's like become that dated obviously like 80s feminism is clearly not the feminism of today yes but and you like, can look at that feminism through today's lens and be like this is what they were doing now and diane is like learning to comprehend these different forms of feminism and we as an audience are thus breaking down what what worked and what didn't work of this form of feminism then yeah there's so much you can do and at this point she's been in the real world for seven years and i wanted to see her grapple with the fact that like her position as a woman in the world has to keep constantly changing because totally said last week that's so that's what's so great about the first wonder woman is she's like i don't understand why i can't do everything that people can do right like, what's the issue so she just works in a museum yeah i would love at this point she's like it is so frustrating to know that i can do everything and be like stuck as a woman and like have to circumvent what's considered empowering in this day and age and like things keep changing and it would just be nice to see her and another woman kind of like team up and get you know get your rah-rah feminism points if you want. And also at the same time, like you said, sort of attack and analyze what 80s feminism was like. And you like the, the it's Cheetah's, you know, whole origins. You could go into the jealousy aspect and the like totally. women competing against other women and how that right. literally turns I mean, you into a monster. There's a team up when in the comics where her and Cheetah work together to defeat the person who gave Cheetah, who like doomed and tricked Cheetah and they defeat and beat this person. You can do that. And then Cheetah 
basically in this point, she could either A, give up her powers and go back to being like a normal person or keep them. And in a third act twist or whatever, Cheetah could keep her powers and then she and Diana will have to duke it out or something. Like there's so many ways you can go around. Like imagine how cool it would have been if her and Diana had to fight like Maxwell Lord or whoever this other stand it would be. You know what I, I mean? I didn't think, like I said, I didn't even think you need to change the timeline. Right. That whole White House. God, I even forgot about the White House fight sequence. And I watched this movie less than 48 hours ago. It's what so slippery. <laughs> it's so slippery. I mean, I got to say in the White House, though, it is fun to see Pine and Pascal duke it out. It's so fun. I just learned that. My two, it's great. My two boys. The boys. It makes me happy. The boys um, are fighting again. The boys are fighting. <laughs> um, But yeah, no, I mean, we could even in that scene have it play out the exact same way Richita being like, hey, um, Max Lord is the guy that gave me my powers and I'm not willing to give them up. So I'm sorry. This is where we part ways. Right. Boom. Fine. Great. I just, uh, it's really unfortunate because Chris Pine is so great, and I think he's he's good and fun in this movie, and I think that just he's a could, good could take him out, and fun actor, but he really should not be in this movie. No. No, it's the one movie where I'm maybe like, I gotta let you go. Yeah. It's I literally, I want to <laughs> go up to him and be like, she can save today, but you can save the world by not being in this movie. <laughs> So go. Yeah. Shoot you. Also, I think it's hilarious that he remembers being in the plane and killing himself, but he doesn't remember the fact that he shot all the stuff to blow himself up. I think that's very right. funny. I know. Um, oh, I was, there was this light. It was so crazy. Um, Ilo, I will say before we put the Chris Pine storyline to bed, do you have anything else to say? Because I have one final. Um, oh, we got to talk about the body horror. I mean, what am yeah, I saying? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I just have, if we're just looking at him, I think it's hilarious that when he comes in, and they do the reverse where he is like, oh my God, this is the 80s. Uh, how come every single movie that brings like a character who doesn't know what happened in the past and brings it to the present, there's always an escalator scene. Every single thing, always an escalator. What is so special about an escalator? It stares that move. It's pretty simple to understand if you look at it. This is my issue on, this is my works perfectly on paper thing again. Like we have Diana going through a revolving door in the first Wonder Woman and guess what? It's fucking hilarious. Right. And in this one, you have Chris Pine on an escalator and you're like, well, this is fucking stupid. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I saw it an this. elf in the year 2003. But it's like, and I'm not even being cynical. I know, me I'm, either. I don't want, that's the thing is I don't want to be, I don't want to be a bad movie podcast. I don't want to be someone who rants about movies because I love movies. Not. But I don't think we're, we're not ranting I mean, we are, but also I didn't go into this movie and I didn't go into this movie on rewatch looking for things to dislike. Same. I went in looking for things to like and looking for things that I thought worked. I went in looking for things, I think, as I just wanted to understand. <laughs> just looking for shit. I was just taking <laughs> Give notes me on anything. anything. I, um, I mean, that's what you said at the very beginning of this episode about this being a very confounding and confusing movie is you're like, I don't understand why it's not clicking. It right. should be clicking. You, of anything, you just want this movie to sing so beautiful you know what i mean like this is the sequel to wonder woman i wanted this movie to be everything the trailer won't i look me and you were worth it we all we would do is every single time the trailer we would text each other the trailer when we would see a movie together and the trailer plays we would get jazzed like it was the thing we were very it was the trailer um (laughs) and it just didn't do the job and Yeah, and it's not, I don't feel like because I had such high expectations for this movie that it let me down more than a movie that I didn't have high expectations for. At the end of the day, it's just, like we said, it's a weird, confusing thing, and this is us trying to reckon with it. And I like that our biggest sort of 
agreed upon note is that it should be gayer because like that I mean, is our brand is, right there. I mean, it's it's not even, I, I feel like on this podcast, we could get labeled as just like, if you make it gay, it's better. Sort of course of not. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing is like, it doesn't even need to be gayer. You can have a just a friendship with just two queer characters because they are both literally queer characters in the comics like it's not like we're saying that they're gay they are literally written as gay so i mean that is why like i mean that's why we wanted to cover this movie not because we had this script fix all planned out ahead of time or anything like that but like this is we um, were gonna cover wonder woman regardless even if 84 didn't come out so it's like this is we're gonna do it yeah but i mean like this is a movie with queer characters and it happens to be a movie where like we can talk about the quality and we can talk about the queer content and it aligns well sometimes like it's yeah like you said just because you're adding queer characters or like increasing the queerness doesn't mean that automatically makes it better but aren't we lucky that like in this there is a version where you can do that right. for this in particular um should we talk about pine being a real boy yo, i want to be a real boy i just like i like when pedro pascal literally goes do you want to be a real boy like how does he know <laughs> well he's the wishing, oh, stone. He's the wishing stone. right exactly <laughs> duh exactly though exactly though yeah. um, um i mean just I, to get it out of the way Chris Pine takes over some random stranger's body and he wakes up in his apartment. Diana sleeps with him. And uh, I think the idea is that like everyone else sees him as this random other guy. Yes. That's how he sees himself in the mirror. Even yes. though like we as the audience and by extension, all of the characters only ever see him as Chris Pine. Yes. Like what? It's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. And I so know. So that's why Kristen Wiig looks at him. She's like, hmm. I understand that it's a riff on like 80s body swap movies. I get right. it. But it's it's very difficult to pull off in this day and age and not come across, come across as a little creepy and a little antiquated. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole, if you're going to set something in the 80s, you have to set it in the 80s through a 2020 lens. And it's not about cancel culture or oversensitivity or anything like that. It's just about how like, if you make something that's a facsimile of a film style from 40 years ago, it's going to feel dated and antiquated because right. it was it from 40 years ago. Right, yeah. exactly. It's like the, the fucking horrible Middle Eastern stereotypes in this yes. movie. Like, you got to update that shit or just don't include them. And right. yeah, maybe, maybe pick any other location in the world yep. to send your actress. Where in the world? Is is Wonder Woman. Like, is Diana Prince. has like kind of iffy Israeli-Palestinian views. Like, don't send her <laughs> to fucking Cairo, Egypt, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Probably not a great uh, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, also just, think that missile sequence like literally makes no sense. She and the blocking the is so, and I was like, Patty Jenkins, you know what you're doing. All right, and it's kind of riffing on Indiana Jones, which I'm like one of the greatest sequences in all time when he's under the cars. So like, you got to nail it if you're going to riff on it. And that's, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, back to the well, body swap thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the body swap, it's, it's rough. It's rough. It's and just weird. It feels uh, like it feels violating in a certain yes. way. It's not that funny. You just wish that he came back as him without taking over someone's body. And I think, though, that Patty Jenkins knows it's creepy. So she shoots in a way so the audience is very aware of it. Like when he looks in the mirror and sees the other guy and we see him. Like it's shot in a way where she's knowing and telling us that it's not okay and that it's creepy. But then they fuck. But then they (laughs) That's the thing is that it's not the other plot beats that happen then don't sort of line up with that and it becomes creepy. Um, I mean, I love that they have sex. But that's the thing is like also like there's like a desexualization of superheroes, which we've talked about. And then if you're going to have even 
let's just say we keep all this weirdness in and let's say Chris Pine comes back, you erase the body swap, have it be sexy. Because if you're, you know what I mean? Like, why not? Like, then like sexy yes. up if Wonder Woman's like really yearning for someone and really pining for a relationship and then she finally gets the relationship. Like, at least let the, se- like, there's a sexuality to it. So she's been driven for fucking 70 years to be like celibate. At least when she finally gets to get a person, have it be hot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like, I think the morning after scene is cute. He's the cutest. Eating a Pop-Tart. It's nice to see, it's really nice to see two people in a blockbuster just like be snuggling in bed and you're like, wow, an actual relationship and not a, like a weird sort of sexy joke or be something that's just so out of left field. I just, I I was like, Like look, a a real scene. (laughs) I felt, Brooke, do you know how fucking scene I felt eating a Pop-Tart in bed like that? It's a little, I have no comment on that one. Love Pop-Tarts, baby. In bed though. Not in bed, but just like in the morning, just like going, like struggling to your kitchen and just going through a box of Pop-Tarts. The first time I ate a Pop-Tart, I was like disgusted. (laughs) I think I was like 15 the first time I ate a Pop-Tart. You have to have some of my homemade Pop-Tarts. Oh yeah. Yours are delicious. Actually. I think I've had one. Yours are good. But that's that's the homemade. It's the the JG touch, baby. Made with love. Exactly. Um, Uh, And you know what isn't made with love? This movie? Chris Pine. No, this movie is made with a lot of love. I, I can, I can, I can feel it. Um, I just think it's a little misplaced at times, like this body swap thing. Although, okay. <sighs> Any final? No, no, no final thoughts. thoughts on the Chris Pine. Okay. I have a question about the armor. What they, were you thinking? They do give Chris Pine literally the best line reading in the entire yes, film, which is, which is, well, shit, Diana. <laughs> I had that down too. Yay. It's the best line. He delivers it so perfectly. I think it's actually really funny. I love that Gal Gadot is just kind of freaking out and covers her face yeah. with her hands. He's, just, he's so good. He's good. Chris he's Pine. He's so good. Chris Pine is a good actor and I like when he's on my screen, yes. but I just wish that he wasn't on my screen. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, he and Pascal, I'm telling you, they, they're people who know what this movie is. So when they're giving those performances, in those moments hit they sing so hard because you get glimpses of something that you want you know you're we're yearning for this type of movie so then when we get a line reading like that you're like give me more it's so great yeah like the whole even like when they're flying under the fireworks like i really enjoy that sequence like it's really cool that you have fireworks overhead like this really cool invisible plane invisible jet baby fun fun i like that and it's stuff like her being like oh i'm gonna make an invisible now where i'm like great superhero movie i'm so into it it's great great. i don't care but like i feel like i've seen 50 tweets being like it's so dumb that she just makes the jet invisible yeah man she has a fucking invisible jet i don't know how do you think she was gonna make an invisible jet it was just gonna appear invisible you dumb butt she has to make it invisible like i get it it's fine it's cool Uh, i don't care about that kind of bullshit what i don't care about is when she's flying off to the finale to get to whatever island they're on and she's not in the gold suit and then she appears in the gold suit yeah somewhat out of the blue and we don't get a momentous moment with her putting the suit on yeah but also like why doesn't she then use the suit wings to fly why doesn't she really use the wings in battle why is the suit sort of irrelevant? Why do we only get the suit for one scene? The suit rocks. The, the suit, suit is, is so, so cool. cool. I want to see her fucking rocking that suit for like half the movie. Yeah, it's awesome. I would, you want know to, it would not to like riff on, like we're not script doctors here, but just like as a thing that I would want, just as an easy superhero comp is like in Spider-Man Homecoming where he gets the new suit and then the final act, he doesn't have a suit he can use. Why not just 
have her use the suit for like whatever the second act of the movie and the third act comes and somehow she has to lose the suit and she just has to fight mano y mano with the cheetah or something yeah that would be anything fun. yeah i mean i think that that suit is visually like so fucking cool and she I, knocks the wings off it i really love how it is actually like armor because i yes, obviously yes. gal gadot can wear the hell out of a wonder woman Pants costume suits too I mean, why? Oh, yeah. Great, great 80s fashion in oh, this. Yeah. She Fabulous rolls her sleeves up. I'm like, I would love to roll my sleeves up like that. I love that sort of like coverall, like mm-hmm. workman's jumpsuit that she's in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love Barbara's 80s workout gear. Oh, my God. With the, Barbara, the high cut leotard. Here's the thing. Barbara is like a smoke show in this. And everyone's like <laughs> ignoring her. I'm like, even as a nerd, I'm like, I would get down on one knee in a second to marry you. Also, it's fucking Kristen Wiig. She's right beautiful. Now, like, you are a beautiful woman and I love you. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, we just haven't even really touched upon it, but Kristen Wiig, like, I love that she's playing the villain in this. Like, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but, like, I love when comedic actors take on fun choice characters. And this is, it should be, like, a slam dunk. Like, Kristen Wiig, a comedic actor, is playing, like, a fun villain. Yeah. Like, I wish she was a little more fun. Right. I don't think that it's Kristen Wiig's fault. Right. But I wish she was more Kristen Wiig. When she goes evil, she goes like kind of boring. Evil, yes, like you she. Know? <laughs> I wish she was like nerdy and a loser the whole time or something. I don't know. Yeah, or I just wish she had a little more energy at the end. But I don't think it's a Christian. If she went like problem. full bridesmaids when she was trying to kill Rose Byrne, like that would be awesome. <laughs> like that would be a great villain. That would be kind of eighties goofy. But I, right. I think she tackles her cake. And obviously, like I have no idea what went on behind the scenes. It sounds like more or less Patty Jenkins fought to make the movie that she wanted to make, and that's amazing for her. But it does feel like there's sort of similar to the first one i feel like you can clearly see like the studio like stitch lines where it's like okay we need to have like just a straight shooter big third act actioner with cheetah we need to have this like cairo car sequence and i don't know maybe patty jenkins was like super fucking into the idea of cheetah and diana fighting under power lines i don't know but it feels like as the movie goes on, it loses a lot of the fun of the first act. And it's just so fun and campy in the first act that I think a great it first needs act. to keep it up in order to justify being that campy in the first place. Right. Like if it's just going to disappear, then why did you have it? Right. Exactly. It's just, you know, it's, we start so strong and then, yeah, you know, we end up in a remote presidential mm-hmm. bunker with a blue light. Yeah. What was I going to say about the suit? Oh yeah. So look, Gal Gadot looks amazing in the Wonder Woman outfit. Oh, yeah. But I love the armor because it's, like, actual armor. It's all-encompassing. It, like, goes right down to her hands and to her feet. Like, there's no skin showing. Mm -hmm. She has Mm -hmm. the helmet. She has the wings. And guess what? She still looks hot as fuck. Right. She rocks the shit out of a gold fit. I love that. I was like, wow, this is a super sexy woman, like in this very kind of like tactical but still uber stylish armor and it was just it was cool and i've never seen wonder woman specifically wear anything like that before and i just i love how it looks it was so good it's from the comics so it rocks it's so cool i loved and it all the marketing was her in the armor and i yeah i wish there was more of it right i mean like the marketing if we're just going to talk about it like the posters for this movie are so cool and the colorful. trailers are so cool yeah everything about the it was so fun like i want those poppy colors in this like why do we go to the they're desert there. where it's like they're there like i want to see some color honey i we it's there jordan it's i there. just want more of it i know i know okay you know 
I we actually didn't really go through the plot beat by beat, but all we I really have did to cover all, the plot somehow. We yeah. got everything. All I really have to say is that there are too many storylines going on and it muddles things. And like if you're gonna spend that much time on Max Lord, then you need to get rid of Chris Pine. And if you want to spend that much time on Chris Pine, then you need to like get, get rid, rid of, of Cheetah or something. Like right. you you can't you can't have it all. I know that you want to have it all because women deserve to have it all. But in this case, uh, you can't have it all. There's just too much. I also think I would have honestly liked for the stone to be even more of like a MacGuffin, I guess. Like when they're like, oh, the stone popped up in all these different civilizations and then the civilizations mysteriously collapsed. I don't fucking care. So it's a stone. They have to go get it. Whatever. We don't have time for this. We don't have time for lore. They go to like this random guy in the middle of nowhere who's an amalgamation of just a bunch of different backgrounds. Yeah. Like, like we don't a, need any of this. The di- as we were saying last week, the diversity feels so much more potent in the first one than it felt in this one, even though this one goes very much out of its way to feel diverse, if that makes sense. Well, it's because, like, you can give a lot of things set during World War One, like, more brownie points than you can give them in the 80s. Right. I think I made this point last week where it's like, World War One around there, before women literally could vote, is the last time that women feels radical. Yes. At this point in the 80s, women and like diversity don't feel radical anymore. You have to like reckon with it with a conversation, which is why I like the whole Pedro Pascal angle. Right. I think that is great. But that's the, even with him too. It's like, I really like his backstory and I love when we see him in like in college or whatever, like fixing the outside and then he, you know, puts the candy there and he straightens out stuff. Like I love that. But then the fact that he has like an abusive parent kind of sucks. Yeah, it's very Where stereotypical. It's like this is playing into like a stereotype. It's like yeah. he couldn't have come from a loving family and just really wanted something, and then just ended up a little bad. Like he had to be abused. He wants the American dream or anything right. like that. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you there. But at least that is like it's like a take. Do you know right. what I mean? No, totally. It's, no, it's I agree. Angle. I know. I agree. I can, yeah. I agree completely with what you're saying. It's just like then within that, you're like, ah. Oh. Yeah. I feel like the the movie is so much more concerned with like his angle than I mean Barbara has no angle so she wants to be like a little more like powerful and a little more feminine okay like girl thing sure. everyone does right like <laughs> I'm not saying she had to have a super tragic backstory but the way that they want her to function does not work super well with her basically Character. having a fine life right yeah she's she's like in the comics that's the thing is we were saying like she's obsessed with like yes. diana or Where she's obsessed with wonder woman buddy or she's obsessed with like movie. ancient civilizations and like becoming immortal like there's three major wants that you can give a character right there yes where is my buddy cop Barbara Diana movie where we get to explore all of that and have her go to Cairo or wherever, wherever. with her and have her discover all this lore about the stone while right. she's with her. Right. They can go to these fun, like r- ruined civilizations if you want, like whatever. Have, have Barbara, your like apocalypse now with Barbara and Diana. Have sure. Barbara be both her emotional sounding board and her like exposition machine instead yes. of splitting it between Barbara and Steve. Yes. You're spot on. Jordan. I agree. Brooke. I have nothing else to say. We went to the 80s and, you know, we went to this mall and how much did our bill rack up to? (laughs) I mean, obviously this is not a normal release strategy for this movie. This movie wasn't released normally? Why? Um, Would you say that there's a a pandemic going on? Jordan. The world is ending? There's simply no way of knowing. There's simply no way of knowing. There's a cow in the street and the guy's (laughs) like, I wanted a farm. I didn't mean here very very good okay so all right i i also hate that 
it's so annoying. Was, I thought that it was very bit. funny. Okay, <laughs> sure. Every <laughs> I think it's funny. It's just so insane. You're I was like, just like, excuse okay. me? <laughs> I okay. the farm, bud. <laughs> Woo! Ah, uh, yes. All right. So. <laughs> Theatrically. <laughs> yep. This worldwide, this grossed $148 million. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that are that is not like good numbers in normal times. We're not right. in normal times. Um, part and parcel with that, HBO Max saw total viewing hours on the film's first day more than triple in comparison to a normal day. So like three times the usual traffic. And 23% of HBO Max's overall viewers were people that like had subscribed to watch Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman specifically. Makes sense. So, I mean, and, my um, parents would have been. Yeah, and it beat Hamilton in terms of straight-to-streaming wow. numbers. Wow. And, like, Hamilton was really big. That's shocking. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, I remember when this came out, I was more hyped for this movie uh, to see it versus Soul. But it comes out, and I mean, like, you go on Twitter, and Soul and this releasing on the same day, Wonder Woman suplex Soul suplex. to the ground. I mean, like, there was maybe three people talking about Soul. At least. Yeah. Because, I mean, if but, I have to pick between the two of them, right. I'm watching What Wonder are you going to watch first. at Christmas if you're going to watch Wonder Woman? <laughs> yeah. And it so makes so much sense that it just decimated, you know, the yeah. streaming box office, whatever that is. Yeah. So the most exciting thing to come out of this release was that I think, like, the day after on Boxing Day, um, <laughs> Warner Brothers announced that they were, like, green lighting and, yes. like, fast-tracking Wonder Woman 3 with Patty yes. Jenkins directing and, obviously, Gal Gadot returning. Which is great. Because, I mean, like, I feel like she is going to make something weird and it's going to be fun. And I feel like this is probably going to take precedent over Star Wars, which she hasn't even started writing or anything yet. Right. So it's going to be the Wonder Woman 3 and then Star Wars, whatever Star Wars is. Yeah, and I hope that she does make something weird and doesn't make something safe. Yes, because I feel like the knee-jerk reaction, which a lot of filmmakers do when they have a little bit of a flop, is to make something very safe that they think audiences want, and then it ends up being worse. And studios have that knee-jerk reaction too, sometimes even worse, because they really have like, only the money at stake where at least directors have like their creative integrity or whatever totally totally but i i mean i've obviously never met patty jenkins i've just watched some interviews but i feel like patty jenkins you want to come on the pod i feel like she just like knows what the fuck she wants yes and like wouldn't compromise especially because i think that this movie is so her and if audiences didn't like it she'd be like well, I don't care. Like, it's the movie that I wanted to make, and I'm going to totally. make the movie that I want to make for Wonder Woman 3. The only thing that we know is that it's going to be present day. I really hope that it gets queer. Like, I just really want that. Just a little. Yeah. A little queerness. I and I mean, know. Kristen Wiig's alive at the end, so maybe they bring Cheetah back. I don't know. They should definitely bring Cheetah back. I have no idea what this movie is. I, I, like, you, the end of Wonder Woman rolls, and they're like, you know, you're walking out of the theater. Let's, this is a hypothetical world where we saw this in IMAX together. Mm-hmm. I'm, we get the announcement. I have zero clue what the hell the third one is going to be. And I like how standalone they are. That's something she that said, I do like about this movie. She said in her intentions that she wanted it to feel like an Indiana Jones or a James Bond. James Bond pre sort of Spectre or whatever. Yeah, pre, um, pre Where they're Craig. all sort of standalone in their own universe. This is a movie. Cool. Three years later, this is a movie. Cool. You know? Yeah. I think that's fun. That's cool. 
it's awesome. I like it. And I don't I don't know if they would bring Cheetah back because at the end she's a parent. She's presumably just Barbara again. But she is it, is she looking like a cheetah or not? No, she just looks normal. She's back okay. in her like fur and like ripped tights get up Got that it. she has. Okay, I wasn't sure if she was in her, her sexy black not. eyeliner look. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like, I'm really excited to see Wonder Woman three and I'm really excited to see what Patty Jenkins does. And I mean, she, she really does. I think like have, she obviously has stuff that she really cares about in movies, but I also think that she has like some pretty good range. We've seen like, she's done some great stuff on TV. I'm going to do a super, super quick. I am the night corner, which is this amazing. Who is the night? I am the night, Jordan. I am the night. I yes. am darkness. I am Wonder Woman. I am vengeance. Um, I am the night is a super super good TNT miniseries starring Chris Pine and India Isley, who's awesome. Um, and it is about the Black Dahlia murders in LA in the '60s, and Chris Pine plays a washed up functioning alcoholic private eye and it's great. literally one of his best performances he's so good in it he's so good did you watch all of it no i haven't finished it yet no oh, okay well you should but patty jenkins was supposed to like be the showrunner director and she because of like how much warner brothers was fucking around with this movie with wonder Woman 1984 she only directed the first one or two episodes i believe and mm. then basically just as an executive producer and had to peace out of the series it is a really fucking good series and like the style and the tone and the pacing and like the editing and just everything is like such quality prestige TV. That's awesome. And it's, like, it's her first thing post Wonder Woman too. God, it's so good. And Chris Pine is truly, he's in a totally different zone than he is in Wonder Woman. So she clearly like knows how to use people in a variety of different ways. She knows how to use Pine. Yeah, she does. I mean, I think Pine, he has the range. Right. He has the range. Um, I don't know. It's really good. It's really good. Um, I highly recommend it to everyone. And I think that especially, you know, the first one or two episodes are a great example of Patty Jenkins directing style and the script. I mean, the show overall as a whole is a really good example of like her taste and mm. what she can do. Um, not that I don't think that the Wonder Woman movies aren't a good example, but it's like cool and prestige and I am the knight. Uh, and it just fucking rocks and I highly recommend it. Anyway, that's the end of that. I like that. No, I think that was a good <laughs> plug for I am the knight. It is. A, I will give it another check. It's a good show. Thank From you. From what I've seen, I enjoyed it. It's about Quite a bit. murder. And crime. In Los Angeles. And beheadings. Oh, and Connie, oh, Connie Nielsen is in it too. She brought and guess everyone. What? She's great. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> I love that. Um, while you're here, yes. I mean, since I have you. Yeah, you, you do have me. What do you think? Like, what is Wonder Woman's three title? Is it Wonder Woman 2003? Wonder Ooh. Woman 2013? Wonder Woman 2033. Wonder Woman just three, but it's like stylized like World War Three. Hell yeah. Ooh, the possibilities and are endless. And people are like, oh my God, is there a World War Three In this movie? Do you have any, do you have any? I have absolutely no. Wonder yeah. Woman 2033 is my pitch. That sounds fun. Where we're a little in the future. They could have made this Wonder Woman 1982, but they made it 1984 instead. That's I don't really true. know what the significance of specifically 84 is. Do uh, I don't know. Ryan Murphy then got to have a, another American Horror Story season with the exact same title. Oh <laughs> Yeah, it is. And Patty huh? Jenkins was like, hey, by the way, I did this first. It's what are you doing? Anyway, Anyways. um, fun. 
you're walking away from this movie. Where is it landing on the personal? Where is it landing on the QQ? Brooke, where is it landing? All right. So when I was rewatching this movie, I was like, I feel like my score is maybe going to go up. Hopefully it won't go down. I don't know. Um, my score stayed Stay the, the exact same. same. I mean, I think for a rewatch, that's probably a good thing. Because I think no matter what, when you revisit movies, they either go up or they go down based on your expectations from the first time you watched it. I think no matter what, when you're watching a movie, you're going in with preconceived notions. And if you like it and the film exceeds it, you're like, hell yeah. If it doesn't, hell no. Yeah. I mean, I like when movies get better with age. It is less exciting when they get worse with age. But I just, I I feel like I ended this movie and I was like, I don't know. It's the same as when I saw it the first time. It's the Goldilocks of movies. Yeah. It's just the same. It's just, it's just right is the Goldilocks thing. Yeah, but I was trying to make it fit. Um, Three stars on the Brooke Solomon scale. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's right. It's right down the middle. That's fine. uh, I I wanted to give it a little bit above a two and a half because I do feel a need to defend this movie a little bit um that's my personal crusade for women in genre and i respect there it. we go um on the qq uh, i don't know i give it uh two and a half stars because i think it's a little more clear than the first one and you know barbara minerva has a big old crush on diana prince she's got a sweaty crush yeah and you know what as she should oh absolutely. as do i and you know who i have a sweaty crush on is barbara minerva oh i love her yeah she's 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 definitely she's definitely in the jordan camp oh yeah i can see that, I can yeah, see well, that working we're just well. two clumsy clumsy folk <laughs> how about you well uh, two and a half for me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the QQ, just to roll right into it, uh, I would say a two. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just think it's my issue, I think, uh, with queer characters when they are in the com- comic book or when the source material is inherently queer and then the material then isn't queer. I just think it's a little frustrating because it's sort of erasing uh, representation that could be there. Uh, and while this film does have those moments and clearly Barbara Minerva is stumbling she's tripping stumbling limping bumbling all because she's fallen in love with wonder woman mm-hmm. um i just wish that it was more and as we had said when your beautiful eloquent pitch and just i guess what we've talked about the whole thing is that the film would have excelled if it was about either a friendship or a relationship between the two of them so it's yeah. just hampered by that and i just want to give a disclaimer it's very easy to like sit here and judge a completed movie that's been the product of like years of work and many many people's like totally takes and hours and hours of sleepless nights sweating over this and be like well if they just did this totally other thing like that would have worked so so much better it's so easy to sit here and say oh well this is so clear once the movie is out we have no idea what this behind the scenes process was like let's say we made those changes the film could have still it could have been worse. Absolutely. Who knows, you know? But such is the nature of uh, media criticism and uh, content discussion. Um, but yeah, I just I just want to say that I have, you know, nothing but massive respect for no. people that take these big swings like right. Patty I mean, Jenkins. I think I, we can say it both. I think we can say it on main. Does that mean you kind of stand Patty Jenkins? Oh, we fucking stand. I think you'd say this is a Patty Jenkins stand cast. <laughs> Absolutely. Patty Jenkins, again, as I said before, you're always welcome to come on the podcast <laughs> okay. if you All like, right. all right. I mean, you can do any, look, any movie you want, Patty, it's yours. You want to do a straight film? That's fine. When Harry met Sally, it's yours. Let's go, Patty. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue her with, with you. this and just be like, hey. You do that. Come on, pod. <laughs> you can be friend of the pod, Patty Jenkins. Okay. Fun. Great. Anyways, sure. can I guess the letterbox score? <laughs> yes, you can. Um, It's not going to be as high as Wonder Woman. That's what I'm going to guess. Uh, no. Uh, I'm going to give it a 2.1. 2.5. Okay. 
could be worse. That's right down way the way better than I thought. A lot of people gave this a solid three stars. A lot of people gave it solid two stars. I saw uh, so. most of my follow list is a lot of twos to one and a half. A lot so. of twos. And I just, I, I don't know. I overrate movies also. I feel pretty bad giving a film under two and a half stars unless I'm like that was actually very bad. Yes, when it's like <laughs> ver- like viscerally hard to watch a movie. Yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. But I think like in all the films that I've logged on Letterboxd, I've given like four of them half a star. Only four? Yeah, like I just... I definitely have more than four. Yeah, but you also like... You, I see too You're many kind movies. of a glutton for punishment. You like to see bad movies. I don't like to see bad movies, but I think it's fun you to You like some... to see bad movies. I occasionally like to see some bad movies. Here, I will just tell you right now the first lowest rated film that comes on my Letterboxd is The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, which is an objectively horrifying film. You gave that half a I star. I fucking hate that movie. Shit. Followed by B-Movie and <laughs> Bright. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, oh, tour David Ayer. Oh, boy. Here oh, and Hot Summer Nights. We won't get into it. Anyways, 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 anyways. Brooke, what are we doing next week? Next. Where are we traveling? We've been we're traveling all over the future who knows where this time machine is gonna land we're actually taking a quick little hop back in time to 1974 oh for what dog day afternoon it's gonna be a sweaty afternoon it's gonna be a very sweaty afternoon but not a sweaty episode it's actually already in the canon it's it's a pretty good episode it's a teaser and we have some exciting guests that uh i'm excited about <laughs> we have exciting guests that are exciting yes they are very exciting um yeah we get to talk pacino and we get to talk sweat and it's a fun time and it's nice to pivot from like a modern 2020 blockbuster to a 70s blockbuster yes. which was a completely different thing oh my god a great i would say dog day afternoon brooke spoiler alert pretty good movie pretty good movie um so tune in next week for that in the meantime to um tune in now and send us all of your angry tweets as or the loving tweets is want to do see the thing is that nobody has ever actually hate tweeted at us and every week i'm yes. like come yell at us on twitter right. if you want to um, just tweeted us some ideas you have everyone has been very nice to us um we love our fans. for now so far dun 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 but are you done no blue monday no blue monday oh, no blue monday god it hurts Anyways, so bad where can people follow us mostly on twitter i am a brooke b solomon at jordan h gus and we are together at queer quadrant Woo. you can find this podcast on spotify on apple Podcasts, in the mall bang, in bang. cairo in the white house and wherever else you get your podcasts um rate subscribe please leave us some reviews especially on itunes they are so lovely and i really enjoy them and maybe um we'll read some of them on mic one day because sure that would be fun let's and do it we'll do a little corner we'll do a segment yeah and i want more of them because i crave validation so if you want to make me happy you are the barber minerva i am my wish would be itunes reviews so yeah and you know that's all the news that's fit to print or fit to lasso i guess Oh, wait, you had some take that we never got to do. We'll just do it. We'll do it as the tag. What's your your weird out of left field take? So in this, Diana Prince looks the same as she did in the original Wonder Woman, correct? Yes. And that is because the aging process is slower. Thus, what I was saying is that aging as a kid will probably, her turning 10 years old will not actually be 10 years old in sort of Grogu terms, but not maybe as wild. Oh, okay. So you think that when she was with Steve in the 1910s. She's maybe like a little older, yeah. Well... No, but I think I think she aged normally until she was like 22 and then stopped aging. 
And you know what? You know what? There's actually precedent for that. How so? Where? I think this is operating by a specific set of rules that has actually been established in a certain canon. What rules? What canon? Twilight. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Um, oh, in Breaking no. Dawn, they have like that weird half vampire, half human baby. Yes. And she ages like a normal kid until no she ages super fast until she's like an adult 18 and then she stops. and then she stops aging that is so isn't that bizarre. so bizarre right and doesn't jacob love her or yeah something like that? uh okay she like comes out of the womb and he's like i want to marry this kid well it's a whole can of worms we don't have time to get into it but anyway um I twilight guess- rules are the only rules <laughs>